stop laughing at my radio face, Christy Love. We are here five seconds into it. Christy Love of House of Stank is already hysterical on the couch. Say hello. Hello, Josh. <laughs> hello, Twerking Radio. It's going to be one of those kinds of shows. It is. Let me take a sip. Um, of water. She's just on water for now. For now. Just for now. <laughs> um, and it is, it's midsummer, it's mid-July 2011, if you're listening. Hot outside, very hot. All of it, it's hot, it's hot. It is hot. We have the air pumping in my radio station studio. We just had some wacky walk down from Avenue D, and uh, yeah, we're going to chat about House of Stank. Um, starting with how it came together. You know, we had your House of Stank partner, W. Jeremy Pelzer, on an earlier episode. I think he gave us some of the background and how there was a record label you guys were starting up. Since then, you've put out a few releases. Yeah. You've traveled the country. Tell me, tell me what, what the, what's, what's up with this thing? Well, we actually started as a, a weekly monthly party at Mr. Black called Stank. And it was every Wednesday night. And once we were there, we started throwing these balls, you know, from the ball scene. And we're like, well, we kind of need to be our own house. So we're House of Stank, which, you know, we thought was hilarious at the time. And uh, it just kind of stuck. And, you know, we started building a website for the party. And stank.com was not available. <laughs> so I was like, oh, you know, like maybe we should just stick with House of Stank. And uh, that was available. And... You know, just sort of that name stuck with us, and we went on doing parties and doing releases. And, yeah, we started a record label at the end of December, which is called Get Up Recordings. And we've ha we're now on our third release, which comes out on Monday exclusively on TrackSource. And it's from Miss Honey Dijon and Sebastian Manuel, and it's called Tonight. And it features a remix from Nonfiction, who does a party in L.A. called Focus. And he's blowing up at the moment. He did a remix for The Percolator. By Cashmere. I have that remix. I have that whole release. Yeah. Like, he's he's pretty amazing. And, like, you know, he works really hard. And he's, like, a really awesome guy. And um, we've been friends with him for a long time. And, you know, of course, like, he's one of the first people we think of when we start doing a release. And, um, you know, we our, le our last release was from Ted Patterson. And uh, it was called the Groove Line EP. And the first release on the label was a House of Stank record called the Guilty Pleasures EP. Yeah, I have that. Maybe I'll play something off of that later. And I think your first track should be some one of the one of the tracks or releases you just mentioned. But before we even get to that, we're gonna uh, talk a little more. How did you uh, come up with the name Get Up Recordings rather than House of Stank Recordings? And what were the houses that were coming to these balls? And what was your relationship with the houses? How'd you get them there? Or did they just turn up on your doorstep wearing fierce fierce things? Exactly. Um, well, let me just start with how we got the house people there. Um, basically, Ty was hanging out with a lot of the extravaganza kids, um, Edwin Extravaganza and Jose Extravaganza, who is famous for, um, you know, being in the Madonna videos. I hung out with Edwin Extravaganza on Fire Island this weekend. <laughs> what a small world. I love Edwin. Um, he was hanging out with Ty quite a bit, and they would come to our party. And Princess Extravaganza started coming with them to the party. 
and we would get her to just MC a little bit sometimes at the party, being you know Kiki and being funny. And it just sort of occurred to us, why don't we do a ball? You know, not in the traditional sense of it, but more just the er entertainment sense of it. Like we had people walked, they got trophies, but the trophies were ridiculous. They were like baby dolls spray painted black. <laughs> they were Barbie dolls, headless Barbie dolls spray painted gold, or um, they were like baby dolls and you know on <laughs> they were all baby dolls it was just they weren't actually uh trophies it was just baby <laughs> dolls we gave out baby dolls it was it was the baby doll award show yeah but there was also like bunnies at one point or something um animatronic was from scissor sisters was our mc and her boyfriend at the time now husband was um our third partner at the the party and he's like you know really creative and artsy and he totally made all these trophies and really got into it and it was Hilarious, and actually, a few of them got mopped while we were doing the party, and it wasn't until like two years later that we realized that it was Justin Bond. <laughs> Justin Bond mopped the trophy. <laughs> He's like, he I took two. They're in my kitchen. <laughs> did you ever walk? Um, I did. I did walk for like, um, I don't remember which category it was, but it was totally like a freeform category, and I think I did a cartwheel split. Yeah. And Drew Barrymore walked. Drew Barrymore came, and she walked. Um, you know, that was, and she was so sweet. She came and it was like really, really cool. But that's how we got into those house kids. And it was basically the house of extravaganza and it was, uh, the ninja house of ninja. I mean, I think a few kids from Aviance came, but it was, I mean, yeah, I guess the Aviance kids came too. So it's basically ninja Aviance and extrava. And, um, you know, those parties, like we only did two or three of the balls. What were, what were the other questions that you asked? No other questions at this time. Right now, we're, we're going to go to one of the tracks. We're going to give Christy her choice to play either a song from that old party called Stank or perhaps a Get Up Recordings track, and she's going to tell you what she chooses to play after you listen to it.
Ooh. So which one was that for the listeners? That is Honey Dijon and Sebastian Manuel tonight. That's coming out on Get Up Recordings on exclusive on TrackSource July 18th, next Monday. And how did that track come about on Get Up Recordings? How, how has Get Up Recordings evolved since its inception? And the question that we both had brain farts and forgot to answer <laughs> and ask again was how the name Get Up Recordings came about. And I'd also love to know how you guys convinced Miss Honey Dijon, who is a New York local and a worldwide legend and celebrity in places like Canada, Brazil, and Berlin, how, how you got her to do a track for you. Okay. Um, well, firstly, Get Up Recordings, um, Get Up itself was a, a track that we had released um, on dust tracks called Get Up. And we had a remix from Hijack and Stupid Fresh, and it featured vocals from my then six-year-old nephew. Now he's eight. Uh, um, so, you know, we were just kind of coming up, and we didn't want to call it House of Stank Records or Stank Records because <clears throat> although we started the label, we didn't want to have the only affiliation with the label be House of Stank. It's not about us. We just started the label. So we wanted to have some sort of separation with the label um, and from the duo so that if the duo, uh, we, wanted to go out and make music on another label or remixes, it wouldn't be so tied to us or to the label. Um, so, you know, we decided to call it Get Up Recordings. And as for Honey, I mean, Jeremy used to do a party with Honey at APT, like, ages and ages ago. And I remember the very first time, and this is um, probably right when I met Jeremy, you know, around the time that I met Jeremy, about five or six, like, six years ago. I walked into Mr. Black for the first time because I was really good friends with Sammy Joe. And uh, he was DJing. He's like, I'm DJing this new party at this club called, uh, you know, Mr. Black. And it was the Friday night party. And he said, come down to Mr. Black tonight. And he put me on the list. And I, I went in there. And it was before Mr. Black got really crazy. And um, I walked in. And I was like, this place is amazing. I totally want to do a party here. And then I remember I came back again the next night just because the space was so much fun. And Honey was DJing. Amazing. So, like, I'd never seen her DJ before, and this is, like, six years ago. And it, we've known her for a really long time, and, it, like, you know, she did a remix on our very first song ever, which was Baby Brain. It was uh, released on DJ Pierre's record label, Afro Acid Digital. And, uh, you know, we've always played with her. We've done things with her. Um, we just always had a, a really close relationship. So, of course, when we decided to do the label, she was one of the first people that came to mind that we wanted to include and, you know, be part of the family. So, I want to talk about your creative use of vocalists because when Jeremy was on the show, he mentioned that a friend of yours that worked at your day job in the mail room was on was on one of the tracks. I mean, that the vocals were sick. I think you could go back in the podcast on iTunes and find the Jeremy Pelzer show because we listened to the song, so that's the only way I know it. Uh, and then you saying that your six or eight year old nephew was also on a track. It's it's so creative. I think. A lot of the times when we hear, especially dance tracks, you don't know who the vocalist is unless it's someone really prominent. I, I should mention, I didn't even say anything about that first song, A Thing Called Love uh, by Wolfram. And it just came out. I don't know that much about it. I know Wolfram's sort of blowing up right now electronically, new disco-wise. The reason that track caught my eye and my ear is because Hadaway of What Is Love. What is love? <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. That's going to be my next track then. Uh, th 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 that was the vocalist. Uh, you know, so Jeremy and I were joking around about all the other people that work at your 
you know, day job, maybe doing guest vocals down the line. But I wanted to shout out those. Well, let me just tell you about Fred. Um, <laughs> Fred works in the mailroom at, at my job, which for those of you who may or may not know, I work at a law firm during the day. Um, and he works in the mailroom. And first of all, he came around my desk one day, and I had my headphones on listening to my iPod, just, you know, trying to block out everything. And he's like, oh, what are you listening to? And I just put, uh, I put my headphones in his ears, because it's easier than trying to explain to people most of the time, because they don't know what I'm listening to. And he looked at me, and he's like, what do you know about Dage? <laughs> and I looked at him, I'm like, what do you know about Dage? <laughs> like, because, you know, like, most people don't know. And it came out that he was from Chicago, and he used to go to Warehouse back in the day and see Frankie Knuckles. Like, you know, he's been in Ron Hardy and then. Like, he has been in it in Chicago in the house scene forever. And his voice is like chocolate silk. Even his speaking voice. Like, he's always like, ooh, like at work, like, ooh, like just walking around. So some of the things that I made him say, I just kept telling him, I was like, you have such an amazing voice. You know, you know, people say the same thing to me. And, like, actually, our first song, I'm doing the vo- – I did the vocals for. I don't know if you knew that. Baby Brain. Um, Pierre, we, were, uh, we went to Chicago, and DJ Pierre actually helped us produce our first song. And he goes, well, you need a vocal here, like at least a vocal sample. And he's like, which one of you is it going to be? And Jeremy looked at me like, yeah, it's you. <laughs> and so I was like, I, okay, whatever. What do you want me to say? And they're like, whatever. And – it was totally ad lib. You know, I just said, get on the dance floor, dance. You know, it's very, hey, Madonna. <laughs> hey, girl. And, but Fred, you know, we took him into the studio, and my good friend Hollis, who's done several remixes for us as The Connection, amazing, amazing musician and engineer. And he said, bring Fred to the studio. And I just gave Fred a script. You know, I told him to go ahead and say what I want. I'm like, but I need these certain things. Like, ooh, like he does that all the time. Like there's these things. And um, I wrote the lyrics for that song. Like I just said, I want you to say these things. And then we just took a whole track of him just ad-libbing, which was actually really amazing. And, um, yeah, you can go back in the podcast and listen to that track, or you can go to our website and you can definitely hear that song. But um, we're always looking for, for those kind of vocal samples. Like, I mean, I just grew up, like I love instrumental tracks as well. They're beautiful. But there's just something where I, I like Chicago House and I like I like vocals. I like something that's repetitive, that catches your ear and, you know, changes up the music. You know, like if there's something about when you're doing an instrumental track that you're definitely getting lost in that moment. But, like, vocals make you relate, you know. They make you feel good. Or, you know, make you sad. <laughs> I feel similarly. I And I think I remembered five minutes ago – you and I had bond. You probably don't remember this. In the basement of Santos Party House for somebody's probably Nita's birthday lineup, when Honey went on and she did a Chicago booty set, and you and I were both like, "Ooh, we love the booty. We gotta do a booty show." We never did because there's no sound system in New York City that would support that, like Eastern Block or wherever else. There are sound systems, but we haven't gotten there yet. One day we will get to do our Chicago booty. Yeah, I mean, that's how I started DJing. Um, when I lived in, in San Francisco, I would go record shopping, and I would go into a record store, and there's a label from Chicago called Dance Mania, which is where all of the booty house, for those listeners that don't know, um, called Dance Mania, and they produced the best, funkiest beats, dirty beats, 
dirty trash talking lyrics. And um, I have some on my iPod, but I see you bringing it up right now, so we definitely have to play something. And um, yeah, so that's what I. That's how I started DJing. And I, when I first started DJing out in clubs here in New York, I did booty sets. And the very first time that Jeremy saw me DJ, I did a booty set at Red and Black in Williamsburg for a party called Debased. I went to that party, I think. Was it across the street from Berliniumsburg? What bar was it at? Red and Black? Yes, I went to that party. Um, the resident was like a redhead. Yeah, Mark Salinger. Mark, well, that's his name, it's DJ Salinger. DJ Salinger, because he was good friends with Disco D. R.I.P. Disco D. R.I.P. Disco D. I love D. Disco D is... Did you go to Booty Bar? I went to Booty Bar, and I went to the Red and... each other there. I was there like every week. I was there every single time. I could, we could go through the cast of characters. That's what we're going to do while this next track plays. But um, from him, we met Salinger and the other one that used to go there. He had two sort of sidekicks. Disco D. Uh, Wound. Like as a DJ? There were two DJs and, and then D. Bar, there was Salinger and Disco D. And there was another guy that sometimes played, but I don't remember who that was right off. But at Red and Black, it was just Mark's party. D never played, but he had uh, Dr. Wound which is Richie, and, um, you know, I was like a kind of rotating resident. Like, once I, he had me, he's like, oh, it was really awesome. So he had me back like once a month after that. That's so funny. I think, I, I don't know how we had heard about this party at Red and, Red and Black from, but we went, and it was, you know, quiet. And Fifth and Bedford, right? Fifth and Bedford, something like that. It was right across the street from that party that Berlinimsburg was at, but we were hanging out there, and I was, like, living for the music then. And what was Berlinimsburg? Was that at Lux? Yep. Well, Lux is... Um, Lux was grand and Roebling. Hi. It was directly across <laughs> the street. Anyway, okay, we're going to get into a booty moment now because, and then we're going to seriously bond over this. And then you're just going to listen to booty music for the rest of the show. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I usually play uh, DJ Dion is my favorite. DJ Dion is my favorite. Bitch, we have, we have a long night ahead of us. <laughs> So you can play your favorite song. My favorite song is actually The Freaks, which is probably one of his more famous songs. I'm looking at all the ones I have on my computer, and I could go back to my vinyl also. But do you know this one that I'm going to play? Yeah. Okay, she knows it. It's really good. It took me longer to get this one than the other ones. It's a yeah, little really less good. known. That one's a little less known, and it's hard to find. I have that on vinyl, but I don't have it on MP3, so you're going to be mailing that to me. Ooh, okay. <laughs> this one's called Accelerate. It's a re-edit. Enjoy. Thank you. 
I do on some shows, I've pulled out my stack of vinyl, and Christy is going through my Dance Mania collection and trying to s- mop it. I'm nerding out. We're nerding out on our... Um, I'm nerding out to booty. <laughs> you know, Honey went to see... People can relate. <laughs> Honey saw Ron Hardy DJ live like uh, in his original club back in Chicago when she was like eight years old when she was she was very young at the time but um I was geeking out with her about that she has all this stuff she just doesn't play it out because as I was just saying to Christy while that was she has all the booty stuff she has a she has a nice helping of it she has a lot of these records in storage but um she could get booty on you she just doesn't because New York crowds just don't get it speak to that they they don't get it there was a very small um party I mean a very small group of people that came religiously to Booty Bar, and um, a lot of those people followed suit to debased when we did that party. Um, but generally, when I like, I love it, and I'm sure like if you go to Chicago, like when we were in Detroit for Electronic Music Festival, I saw DJ Godfather DJ for the first time. Of course, I have so much stuff by him, but I'd never seen him DJ, and like you know. I was like, oh, Jeremy, uh, DJ Godfather's on this stage. I got to go back here. And he's like, oh, um, okay. But we got back there, and Jeremy was blown away because that guy, you know, he can mix like 76 songs in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been uh, to see Funk in New York, DJ Funk, when he comes to New York once every four years. I used to see DJ Salt come to New York many times. DJ Salt! DJ Godfather has never come to New York and been on the radar as far as I know. No, I haven't seen him here either. And I did not see DJ Assault or DJ Funk here. I'm not happy about that. Ooh, DJ Funk played at that bar that was 205 Club at some incarnation down the Lower East Side. His turntables went out. The power went out at some point. He started yelling at the crowd. It was not cute. That's not cute. Uh, but while we're in a booty moment, you want to you wanna come back at me with one of your booty tracks, Ms. Love? Yes, I do. Let me let me hit you with that right now. Come on.
just sat in the studio, probably got high, and got stupid. And that song is hilarious. It's one of my favorites by Dion. It's called Da Dick Suck. Yeah, if you're a stranger to this genre, which is Chicago House, then became Ghetto Tech, there's some other names for it also, uh, there are hundreds of songs like that. And they have similar beats, similar dirty lyrics, and they can be... Two minutes, three minutes, maybe five minutes if they were feeling extra generous. But um, extra high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's amazing. And it's still, you know, you go to Chicago or, you know, people from Chicago, they'll start doing footwork like Andy Sinks, one of our bartender friends from The Monster. Every time I would play The Freaks by DJ Dion also, it should go crazy. Uh, and we were geeking out during that song about the influence that Disco D, one of the uh, whiter and more marketing-oriented persons from that scene who was from Detroit, brought that scene out to uh, the world, to New York. He moved to New York, brought to Paris, and influenced people who did San Pellegrino. And sadly, he passed away before he really hit his prime. He was you know, producing for 50 Cent uh, and K-Fed, Britney's ex-boyfriend, and I'm sure could have gone on to be as big as Diplo. Or bigger. Uh, so maybe maybe I'm going to play a Disco D track now. We are in that booty mode. Yeah, and we do. 
Yeah, play Disco D. Um, if do you have something from Night of Night at the Beauty Bar? A uh, Beauty Bar. Hello, Night at the Booty Bar. Because he just, I know, I'm just staring at you. Like, now I'm so into something. Um, no, but just talking about him, it just makes me reflect a bit. Like, you know, he was such an amazing, amazing DJ. And we were talking a bit about that in the break. Uh, Disco D is just so, he was so talented. Like, he could effortlessly mix and scratch these booty records, which, you know, people are like, oh, but it's really difficult to mix. And that's how I started DJing. So, you know, it was definitely one of those moments where I have mad respect for someone who can mix like that. And same thing with Godfather. Like when you hear those guys like who are really, you know, good at their craft, like he you know, he just knew where to take the crowd too. Like sometimes somebody could do a booty set and like but you know, like we just talked about, you you can only play like forty five seconds of each track. I mean, that's how it works, and that's how it works in Chicago. Like they don't play like the whole song. It's seriously like, you know, if you've ever picked up a DJ Assault record or Godfather or one of those guys, it's seriously like 36 songs in a half hour mix. <laughs> the last time I saw Disco D DJing was at Sway for Roxy Cottontail. They were friendly. And uh, he always had his tongue out when he was DJing. Like he was so into it. It was like he just sort of lost control of his mouth and his tongue. Uh, and I asked him about this new mix he had just done. It was right as... Uh, Brazilian funk music was really getting big because Diplo had just come up through Hollertronics and he had this new booty mix which I actually have he gave me like the secret password to go download it for free rather than pay for it through his site uh that was the last time I saw him uh he was really great and I was telling Christy uh when we were not on the air that he was the person who told me what types of turntables to buy and mixer when I was starting to DJ in 2002 and 2003 via email via text message I had his phone number uh and then he was gone. So, before bringing the mood down any further, downer. <laughs> I'm gonna find a disco D song to play.
Okay, that was a little live sampling of a disco D set I have from a thing he did in Paris, I believe, in 2003. But it was very typical him. And he also always did live scratching on records. A really lost art form in the dance music scene, for sure. I, I mean, I know it's a hip-hop thing. It still exists on Serato. But, God, you never really see that at dance parties, do you? No, not at all. I mean, the thing is with, with uh, scratching, I mean, I know it was a hip-hop thing. But it was also a way of changing up the record. It was like creating a remix live. So, you know, I, I don't think that it was limited. Obviously, you, you, you weren't meaning that. But, like, it wasn't limited to hip-hop. But, you know, it's definitely a lost art form. And, like I said earlier, D was effortless with it. Like, you know, and his tongue was always out to the side when he DJed or, like, hanging straight down. And um, he would lick his fingers sometimes. You know, it was just, like, in that moment. I definitely used to have a DJ face. I think my DJ face has gotten better because I think my DJ face was so serious before, like focused. <laughs> <laughs> like Ty would come up and be like, I think you have a really serious DJ face. I'm like, oh, maybe I should work on that. <laughs> well, so we're going to switch modes. You were just talking about uh, this big party you did out in San Francisco for their pride with Ms. Juanita Moore and obviously your co-DJ label founder, Jeremy, whatever, your husband. Uh, and uh, and you were saying how you were so concentrated during that set that you did after one of your idols, Daje, sound checked and performed, right? Yes. What was your DJ phase looking like right then, Ms. Christy Love? Um, the smile was from one ear to the next. Severino was behind me. I actually had um, sound checked with Daje earlier in the day, and. It was weird. I wasn't at the hotel, and they called me. They're like, oh, the vocalist is here, and somebody, we need somebody to come and sound check. And I did not put the two together that the vocalist was Daje. So when I w turned the corner, you know, I dropped my stuff in my room and brought my CDs out. And there she was standing at the DJ booth, and I just kind of froze where I was standing. And I walked up, and they're like, oh, um, Christy Love, uh, we would like you to meet Daje. And she's like, oh, nice to meet you, because she's so nice. And I kneeled before her. And, she, and everyone laughed because I kneeled. You know, it was just like three or four of us standing there. It's like the sound guys, her manager. I don't know if it was her manager, but like definitely someone who was um, working, you know, working with her for that day. And she's like, oh, let me help you up. <laughs> Which was amazing. And, like, we, you know, I just sound checked with her. And her voice was so amazingly clear and had not changed in the slightest like i went numb while she was doing her sound check because you know it's like the legend standing right in front of you like singing the songs that you've heard a thousand times you know? yeah what did she sing and for the listeners who aren't schooled in house can you give us the daje background but tell us more i'm i'm more curious as to what she's saying and how she interacted with the crowd well juanita actually had a requested a certain playlist and I think that when Daje was like, oh, I'm just singing these same old songs. And I was just like, because they're legendary. <laughs> People want to hear those songs, especially at Gay Pride. Um, sorry, the story of Daje is just when Cashmere, also known more frequently now as Green Velvet, started a record label in Chicago called Casual, which we could go into a whole nother hour of playing stuff on Casual. We've played that on many shows prior. Awesome. Okay, great. So Casual Records, uh, one of Cashmere's biggest songs, um, actually several, 
uh, a few songs that he did with Daje featuring her on vocals uh, was Day by Day and You Got Me Up. And she did uh, both of those. She did Say You Will, which is a, a cashmere, like, you know, there was like a Mark Grant remix and um, it, it was just like unreal. Like, you know, just hearing her performing all these songs, um, you know, and she had the whole music mix. She came in, she was so professional. It was like one track. I didn't have to go through 10 different tracks to play for her because I wasn't nervous, but I was so excited that there's no way I could have, like, I mean, I would have done it. I would have been a professional and done it. But, like, I would have been like, oh, so wait, wait, which one was that? Because I was so excited. But she had the songs already, like, blended together. And she'd be like, remix. And she interacted with the crowd so amazingly. Like, I wish there was, like, a video portion of your podcast. You know, like, she's, you know, one part of the song for You Got Me Up. She's like, I'm like a puppet on a string. And, like, she put her arm out and did, like, the whole, like, robot puppet. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, like, she's so cute. Like, and she was eating it up. Like, she's living. It was it was amazing to watch. It was a really amazing experience. And at the end of it, she was like, are y'all ready for House of Stank? And just hearing that come out of her mouth, I don't know, just made me crazy. It was pretty awesome. Well, you're welcome to play a Daje track now since we've given such a big build-up. I can't remember, you know... Uh, do, you a, do you have a particular one that you want to hear, or should I just... No, I'm going to leave it up to you. Okay. Uh, she sings on Brighter Days or no? Oh, yeah, Brighter Days. I was going to say, she sings on Brighter Days, and I've, I've been... So, while Christy looks for her track, uh, Green Velvet slash Cashmere is timeless and legendary, and... All these hits he's recently revisited, remastered, and sent out to have remixed by some of the more prominent people in the scene right now, both House and Tech House. And uh, I've been playing out, but I think I played that on one of my other shows, a really major mix of uh, Brighter Days. But I can play that also. We're going we're gonna to leave it up to Christy.
are back. We were just having a conversation during that song, but we love Dajay. We love Green Velvet slash Cashmere. Christy Love and I are the same person. That's why you never see us together. One of us <laughs> lives uptown. One of us lives downtown. Yes, mother. <laughs> yeah, so the whole Dajay thing was surreal, and, um, you know, she was, like, really, really amazing. And one of the really cool things that happened after that is um, the gentleman that was there with her that uh, he's actually known around San Francisco. He does a lot of stuff at uh, Temple Nightclub. He sent me a message on Facebook, which was, like, so amazing. It was like, just wanted to say thank you again for helping Dajay out with sound and even more so for your amazing set at Gay Pride. Um, you know, every time we DJ San Francisco, it's just so amazing because, as you know, as a, as a another DJ here in New York, it's really difficult to play to crowds here in New York because either one, they're jaded, it's hard to get someone really interested in what you're doing no matter how good it is. Um, and... It's like one of those places where, in your past, New York has been where everything started and came from. But yet, when you're out DJing now, everyone wants to hear what you can hear on the radio or MTV. So it's a struggle. So, But in San Francisco, the people know the music. And when they come out to see you DJ, they face you, they cheer you on, they dance, they sweat. They don't really care what they look like while they're doing it. And, you know, it's it's amazing. Like... So it's just watching people smile and really connect with what you're playing and connect with you and just come up to you afterwards and tell you how like how much fun they have and thank you so wholeheartedly. It's like it's really really cool. And that's like one of the things that definitely keeps us going back to San Francisco. You know, even though I've lived here 11 years, um, you know, I love going back and I definitely love playing with Juanita. She's one of my favorite people in the world. Amazing, amazing person. I agree wholeheartedly. And not only that. Going to London, I know that Severino connected you to this gig. I connected you with some of the people at uh, Dalston Superstar. I don't remember what that was, what it was, but both places, such an amazing reaction to the music as opposed it's a, to... It's a very similar thing. Like the people in London were just like, just like they are in San Francisco, um, facing the DJ, screaming the entire time. Like when I DJed with Severino at Dalston down in the basement, that place, you could not move an inch. But no one cared. No one was standing around bitching, saying it was too hot, you know, complaining. Everyone was going crazy. People were dancing on tables. Some guy got completely naked and was dancing on a table. I don't know if that was just for me. Apparently he does it at a few other nightclubs. But um, it was an amazing time. Like, London is very, very similar. Like, people know their music and they love music. And, you know, like, New Yorkers, like, they like to go out and they like to be seen and it's more of like being seen. Obviously, there's a group of us who go out to hear the music, but... Ten of us. And we see each other <laughs> literally six out of seven nights a week. Last night, I DJed at Van Damme with Johnny Dinell uh, after coming back from Fire Island playing very poppy set. Uh, and I played a disco set last night, but before that, Johnny was like, I really want to come to your Wednesday Good Times Party at Eastern Block, which Christy has DJed. And Jeremy Pelzer is DJing tomorrow this won't be published till next week, but um, I'm sure it's going to be a fierce party. And he said, you know, it's so amazing. You do that little Richard party. I said, Scott Ewald, Soulful Oldies, upcoming guest on this radio show also. Johnny's like, you know, it's really important to go out and support. I said, Johnny, you don't need to tell me that. I wish I could come here and 
support you every Sunday and go to the standard, support you on a Tuesday. He said, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just 10 of us going out to each other's parties. But that's what's really important because we stay. And actually, on Saturday night in Fire Island, uh, I was off because I DJ Thursday and Friday. And um, I was hanging out with my very good friend Lena and a few other friends. And we heard DJ Will was DJing over at the Ice Palace where the 12-inch was created in the 70s, mind you, by Tom Walton. Uh, and we were like, let's go over, you know. We went over, and our friends were over there already. They said, no one's there. And no one was there. By 1 or one thirty in Cherry Grove on Fire Island, in a room that can hold 400-plus people, where disco was created, there was no one there on a Saturday night. And we said, we don't care. We're still going to go and dance. That's what I said, and I was the leader of the pack. So I brought all these people there, and he was playing... Sister Sledge, and, you know, there's a whole Nile Rodgers set, actually. Uh, some Diana Ross also, my piano. It was really it was really amazing. We just stayed and danced, four of us on the dance floor, because uh, it was all about the music. But uh, anyway, I digress. I have a comment on that, about how texting has ruined dance music, or parties, because, not dance music, but parties in general, because if you can text one and be like, oh, what's going on there? How's that? How is it? then you're not going to go. Like people used just to just made the commitment and showed up. And um, yeah, you're right. There are like 10 of us that we always see each other. And, um, you know, I think that you were talking about basement, Mandy and uh, Mandy Graves and, and Jules Palmer. They have a party at the monster now on Thursday nights. For those of you who don't know called monster. I mean, called uh, a <laughs> basement with two S's and Jeremy and I are, are actually DJing there next Thursday, the 21st. But we call that the DJ party because all of us go to that party. Like, and we, you know, sometimes we see each other at different parties, but I feel like I see all of us at that party. So, because we all know it's like the real deal. Well, lucky for me, they're the guests on the radio show that money, July, that Monday, excuse me, that Monday, July 24th or 25th, they're going to do twerking radio. We've been planning it. And we've, we are so happy, can I note, to have a lady in the studio We've had so many white male guests. We've had some black male guests. We have not had many lady guests. And one of the unfortunate things about our DJ community is that there are not enough women DJs. And I think in the world there aren't enough DJ with back, excuse me, women DJs, which we're going to get back to. But uh, I'm going to play this song now, which, you know, I, uh, it's a, it's a, song that I mashed up because I'm not very good at production. That's what I was just talking about Christy with. I'm working on it. We're getting there. This is vocals from a Disco D song that he did with Princess Superstar, another lady DJ, over a Tech House track. So we're going to segue out of the house and into some darker Tech House, rock and roll, oldies, Arab pop music. You know how we do. But anyway... I went to go to Juanita's party also at Booty Call on Wednesdays in San Francisco in the Castro. And she was playing this. And I was like, wait a minute. I made this. And she's like, Sparber, I always play this song. It turns me out. And I was like, oh, how nice to hear a song that you worked on out in a club, right?
Yes. Nothing like playing tracks you worked on on your own radio show, but fitting as Christy and I are sitting here talking about production tools, software, and... Fuck me on the dance floor. Fuck me on the dance floor. And fucking on the dance floor. <laughs> that is the theme of this show. No, that came from actually a disco decalibration with Princess Superstar, hence the dirty Detroit Chicago lyrics. Um, but we're going to move directions and talk about... Um, Christie's days as a little girl down <laughs> south. I guess I don't know what do you want to talk about. Yeah, we could totally go into that. Like, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I sort of had in mind to talk about today is just I think that once you know someone's background and you know what kind of music they listened to or what inspired them when they were younger, it helps you understand why they produce the way they do or you know where they're coming from when they DJ. So obviously. Everyone out there who knows that I used to play booty and I love to play booty will understand that I like to bring the beats when I DJ. Um, I love playing Chicago House, like, you know, cashmere and stuff, but I kind of get to where now I've played that stuff so much, I want to bring the new hot beats that I find. Um, anyway, let's go back to Christy as a little girl. No, you can play some new hot beats. I mean, I just, <laughs> if it's not... You know, we've segued out of house and tech house, so if there's some hot new uh, sitar track you have, let's <laughs> throw it on. No, actually, it's like serious. The stuff I brought was like serious, like tech house stuff. But um, yeah, let's talk about a little bit where the the Christie history. We could play tech house, girl. I have <laughs> so much new tech house to play, and I, I go through these binges. We could talk about also how you find music and stuff. Obviously, we're not going to record shops on a daily basis anymore, but... um. You know, when I go through these binges of looking for new music, it goes in phases. It'll be house, it'll be hip-hop, it'll be pop. Uh, and I think the last phase I went through was just tech house, tech house, tech house. Like that track I just played is originally by Mark Houle, Howl. Uh, and I think I actually came upon it by your good friend, uh, Claude Von Stroke, who had mentioned that he played that a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, hit me with something tech house. Well... The stuff that gets me sometimes that like it's really difficult to play out, especially here in New York. You know, it's kind of that very dirty bird sound as you were talking about, Claude. Um, I like stuff that's like obviously with that dirty beat sound that I love in Booty House and like this whole all like you know I love a hand clap. <laughs> like a hand clap will bring it out of me on the dance floor and like a little shaker. You know, a little hi hat makes my hips move. Uh, but what I want to play for you is, you know, a little bit modern tech house that is, it's insane. And it's got like lots of crazy, dark, dirty, rolling samples that like, it's not necessarily the, something that would make somebody come to the, to the floor. I'm going to have to find it this way now. Um, but it's like, when you hear it, it's just so fucking cool. So the song I'm going to play is uh, it's called I'm the One Who's Crazy, and it's by a group named Cats and Dogs, both with Zs.
Tech House track is by these uh, two guys, I think, Cats and Dogs. They're out of Berlin. They're actually good friends of one of our New York City DJ friends, Brian Smith. And one of them is of the queer persuasion, so I'm told, not being libelous on air. Just a little happy note there. I was like, oh, that's cool because we like this music. And uh, and the people that do it are a bit gay-friendly. So uh, just a small world. Chrissy didn't know any of that backstory. I did not know any of that backstory. And then the backstory on uh, that track, I followed it with. That's actually an old Josh Wink song called Don't Laugh. And uh, Christy's sitting here going, bitch, I used to hang out with Josh Wink in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, if you wanted to find me on any weekend day when I wasn't working for the Philadelphia Orchestra, that's where I used to work, in Philly, um, you could find me on South Street at 611 Records, 611 South 4th Street, hanging out with Nigel Richards and uh, Dean Walbridge who, you know, kind of was like the store manager, even though Nigel Richards was the owner of the store. Josh Wink worked there, so did King Britt, and obviously Josh Wink and King Britt were partners for Silk City and Silk City Records, and it was a party that happened, I mean, that seems so many years ago now, like 16 years ago when I was there, so um, I can't remember, I was thinking it's probably like a Monday night or Tuesday night, Silk City was, and it's where you could just go and hear old soul and like disco classics out of those guys. I mean, you know, and King Britt used to live in my building in Philly, and, like, I would see him all the time, and, like, I still see him out, like, in Miami, and, you know, kind of shock the shit out of him when I walk up to him, I'm like, what's up? <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, it's like a blast from the past. Um, Josh, you know, he was not someone that I hung out with so much, but, like, I would see him in the store. He would see me. We would speak, but, like, I was more friendly with Nigel Richards. Um, I would run around with him, and we would throw – these raves that he would call the devil line and you could call it was like a hotline it was like an illegal rave and um our most famous parties that oh, it was his famous party that like i just jumped in on is like we rented this u-haul truck and hauled a bunch of people in the back of it out to a swamp out by the philadelphia airport and and hooked up generators and um had a rave in a swamp i came home with like 105 mosquito bites <laughs> it's pretty amazing <laughs> craziness how many people were in the U-Haul? Was it just as many as you found that one U-Haul, or was it actually a really big thing? No, it's actually like a really small rave. It wasn't like, you know, 200 people. It was like 15 people or something like that. So It was like basement on a Thursday at the Monster, <laughs> the 10 people, but 16 years same, ago in same Philly. people, yeah, same 10 people, <laughs> you know, but in Philly. So, yeah, like, you know, we're talking about Tech House and uh, 
I mean, Josh Wink, obviously, doing all the acid stuff. Uh, we're obviously big fans of that. Jeremy is a huge acid fan. That's how we hooked up with DJ Pierre, and I'm sure he spoke in detail about that quite a bit on his podcast. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we could totally go into, like, I mean, obviously, acid was a huge influence of his, and, and I think one of the reasons why, and it's probably a good segue, why I'm so into Chicago House and all the soulful lyrics and soulful rhythms is because I grew up listening to R&B and old soul, like oldies. And my dad was very musical. He um, was a drummer in a band when I was younger, like when I was in my early teens. Uh, it was a country band, but it was a cover band, so they did a little bit of everything. But prior to that, like my dad would just play drums. Like he learned how to play the drums, like with old, old groups like the Ventures and the Tams, like just all, you know, instrumental stuff and like you know he could be a white boy that could play wipeout you know and like i and interestingly interestingly enough we were at a band practice once when i was 13 and he had to go to the restroom take you know because a band practice then meant hey how many beers can we drink and just you know jam here and i was there with them because i loved music and i loved all the covers that they did and i would go into like I mean he was in the bathroom and like they're like come on Scott why are you taking so long or whatever and I sat on the drum set 13 years old never been on a drum set before and played Proud Mary the entire song with my dad's band he came out of the bathroom and he was like that's my kid and you know and I can play Wipeout like I think the next song I played was Wipeout and I'd never been on a drum set before and he was just like yeah that's totally my kid so I mean Basically, what I wanted to tell you is like one of the one of the next songs that I want to play is a band that always reminds me of my father, and um, you know he was into those grooves. And this has like a, this song has a disco groove, but it's a, a group called Doctor Hook and the Medicine Show, and it was you know in the time when it was like yeah, disco's kind of coming in, but like it was feel good, like sitting around making love kind of music, but. They were white boys, and they had, like, a country feeling, but they didn't really fit into, like, that genre. Um, you know, they're really big and like this. I mean, they weren't like the Eagles. They weren't like Credence, you know. It's just like they were at a crossover point when they were, you know, it was about having sex or, you know, making love, drinking, finding beautiful women, you know, just like that kind of stuff. But you couldn't say all that necessarily then, so it's all innuendos and, you know, Sounds a bit more nice, but this song is called Sexy Eyes, and it's fucking fierce. I was sitting all alone, watching people get it off with each other.
Okay, so what, what did you think of Sexy Eyes? Now we're going to do the Christy Love interview with Josh Sparber. Well, I was about to slip my sneakers off and dim the lights in here. That's what I felt. I felt like dimming the lights. But I, so I told you, it's like sexy time music. I also, um, <laughs> sexy time music. It's funny because sometimes um, I, I get embarrassed by it. Sometimes I cash really big checks. But I do, you know, fancy events and weddings and stuff also. And so when I conceptualize how to play music, not only am I doing it for my nightlife stuff, but I'm thinking of a cocktail dinner and dance set. Uh, and it's usually more mainstream stuff, but that really goes along the lines of like my Al Green set that I play. And people, I mean, exactly. the people who hire me are pretty much like in the know musically or Brooklynites or music heads. And so I will get a little more obscure and I could just totally see playing that song along with like an Al Green song, which I'm always playing. And I'm always feeling like, is this appropriate to be playing? And then everybody gets up and does a slow dance. Let's get it on. And I'm like, is anybody listening to the lyrics of this song? But I mean, of course, it's not about the fact that the song's about fucking. It's about the fact that the song is about as sexy as that bass line and all the instrumentation goes. And that's what that song sounded like to me, Christy. Yeah, I know. I, I just, that's what I was telling you during the song. Um, I have been listening to Dr. Hook all week. Um, it's something that I grew up on, and it was actually the first concert that I ever went to in 1978. Um, I was either 78 or 79. I don't remember. My sister, would, of course, would remember that. But um, I was... I was, uh, if I was eight years old, it's probably 1979. And I saw them at the West Virginia State Fair. And it was awesome because the lead singer of Dr. Hook, all white band, I mean, I think they're, well, maybe not all white, but like their lead singer was white for sure. And he wore an eye patch. Very much like Pete Burns of Dead or Alive, another band that I'm hugely influenced by. Was that a gimmick, the eye patch, for being Dr. Hook? Or was it, was it really like he really lost an eye at some point? Somewhere else in West Virginia. <laughs> at the State Fair, he lost an eye at the State Fair. Actually, you know, I was walking to work listening to Dr. Hook the other day and had that same question myself. That's something that, you know, we probably need to Google if it was like a gimmick. It probably was a gimmick, you know, but it, is, it was fierce, like, you know, because nobody wore an eye patch in 1979, really. Um, <clears throat> My choice. Yeah. <laughs> You see me at the club next week with an eye patch. No, it's really an accident. Uh, I, I used to rock an eye patch for fun. Bitch, I bet you rock two eye patches simultaneously, <laughs> getting all Xander up in here. <laughs> exactly. Like I used to. Um, I think I used to work an eye patch like in the industrial days. We could get into a whole industrial moment. Are you into industrial? Uh, I mean, I don't go that deep into industrial, but I could go back to the first Nine Inch Nails album and play my favorite B and C sides to have, like a whole. Um, terrible lie. No, I was going to play. Well, if you're going to dare me, Christy Love, I'm going to play it. No, that's it, Christy. I'm playing it. You, you talk, I find it. You play your, you play your industrial track and then I'll, I'll, I'll come right behind you with five more. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's, you know, and it's also in the same thing. It's like, I love beats, repetitive beats, repetitive samples, um, one of my all-time favorite industrial bands, while we're talking about industrial, is, like, if I was to name one of my top five bands of all time, Meat Beat Manifesto is in there. It's hard for me to put them in order. Um, uh, Duran Duran, obviously, is number one. Christy has a Duran Duran tattoo. Christy did a good times party at Eastern Block, Duran Duran themed. This is the first time you teach it there, right? Yeah. 
but not the last. Um, and uh, I was shocked to know that she had a Duran Duran tattoo. Keep going, top five. Then I'm going to play this non-industrial song. I was not. We're not going to go head-to-head with industrial because I don't have a <laughs> Meet Beat Manifesto song in my library. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, well, yeah, top five. Um, Duran Duran, David Bowie, Queen, Massive Attack, and Meet Beat Manifesto. You know, and honestly, like Depeche Mode kind of falls into that category sometimes. Like it was like you know, top six. <laughs> me, me too, Depeche Mode. That's what she was playing before we started the show. And uh, I don't consider it industrial. I don't. I mean, I think these are a bit poppy industrial, but right? Oh yeah. I mean, well, Depeche Mode doesn't fit into industrial, but I mean, you know, Meet Manifesto definitely was an industrial band because um, where they didn't get highly political. They did make references, and I think that the the genre of music that was out at the time, you know, they used a lot of samples and video samples, and it was like, you know, a more artistic approach to making music, and you know, it was to produce music in in an industrial sense, as opposed, like you know, you know, very kind of mechanical with mechanical sounds, and um, Depeche Mode was obviously in the beginning, like people are people, like it's all hammers and you know crazy I mean everything counts like it's all industrial sounds but you know you have Dave Gahan's sexy ass singing over top of it yeah no I'm obsessed with them did you see that BBC documentary on electronic music and they have Depeche Mode talking about like showing them like hitting hammers on like railings and stuff they're like no this is what we did like to get these sounds back in the day we rolled a rock down the hill in our hometown of so and so England and that's what you hear when you listen to a broken frame or whatever. Okay, we're going to the song. Again. <laughs> Take two. Right now I'm so in love with you. And I don't want to think too much about what we should or shouldn't do. Lay my hands on heaven and the sun and the moon and the stars while the Listening 
We are back. And it's that time to wrap up the show on that uh, Nitzarev note. Christy, Christy is... I didn't even play one Duran Duran song tonight. <laughs> well, you know, you've become known in the Eastern Bloc Good Times world as the Duran Duran girl. you got to show the Let kids... I know. Show the kids something else. Something else she's telling me about this outfit she made and wore to the Nitzarev Nine Inch Nails concert. Depeche Mode concert. Oh, we didn't even play any Depeche Mode. Well, maybe that's what we're going to close the show out with because... I love the fish mode. Right, yeah, let's play that song that I, I was playing earlier, and I'll talk about that for a second. Um, that was Netzreb, a song called Getting Closer, and Netzreb opened up for Depeche Mode on their 1990 Violator tour. And I was, as I was telling you, growing up in West Virginia, there weren't a lot of shows that came through. The closest city that I could go see a show was Roanoke, Virginia. And big acts came there. That's where I saw Duran Duran for the first time when I was like 12 or 13. I saw NXS there. You know, R.E.M., like, all those kind of people. But, you know, like, that was an alternative show. But, like, there was also college people. It was right next to Blacksburg, Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech. So um, there were lots of college kids there, which is sometimes a little bit different. But when I saw Depeche Mode, I went to Pittsburgh to the Star Lake, Star Lake Amphitheater, which is, like, where, you know, it's a really big place. And that was like the largest collection of really cool alternative people that I had ever seen. And I kind of melted in that experience, which was really cool. And, um, yeah, I made a jacket, covered the sleeves in studs. And when Dave Gahan came out on stage, he had a very similar jacket on that he had the covered the sleeves in rhinestones. So we were twins for the night. And I loved it. But so on that note, I want to close with World in My Eyes, which is the opening track for Violator, a very definitive song in my life because Violator is probably one of those albums that I have listened to from start to finish without turning it off hundreds of times. And because that album tells such a beautiful and amazing story of love and lust, but in such a beautiful way. Um, you know, it's haunting. It's like amazing and like it makes you dance and like just totally takes you on a trip around the world and back. <laughs> I have to say, I think that's the lost art form of a LP or an album because when I came, I remember the year Violator came out and I think my sister had it on cassette and went to go see them at Nassau Coliseum or something. But when I came upon them, I went back and had the Broken Frame LP uh, and the People Are People LP, but I never actually visited Violator in its entirety from start to finish, just by the nature of digital music and playing singles rather than non-singles. So I look forward to it, and I look forward to you coming back and doing another episode of Twerking Radio. We've had a really good time, and we're still going to kiki after we stop recording. But, um, yeah, Miss Christy Love, check out uh, check out House of Stank. Check out Get Up Records Recordings. That's the official name. Where can they find that, Christy? Um houseofstank.com or getuprecordings.com and I just want to say thank you for having me I've had a blast hanging out and talking about music it's like my favorite thing to do I don't get to do that enough yeah and we're going to making music or working on some production form of it but talking about it is like my favorite thing to do yeah me too and I knew we had a lot in common and I'm actually somewhat surprised as to how much we have in common but not really we're going to figure out that booty party and uh all that stuff. So until next time, thank you, Twerking Radio. Uh-huh.